I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you here today. Happy Veterans Day. We salute all of those who have served our country so well. Uh, and today we are going to have a, a special interview. It's, it's a little bit of coordination when you get global like we are today. Our guest is coming from Lusaka, Zambia, where he is the founding dean of the uh, School of Divinity at the African Christian University. And uh, it is a, a gentleman that many of you have probably seen. I've been watching him for a while. I'm kind of excited to have him here on today. Vodi Bakum is here with me. And we're going to talk about Christianity in our world today. Can it survive? Are we in a post-Christian culture? Uh, how do we get to the roots of Christianity and, and really hold to uh, the essentials uh, and we're, we're kind of taking a springboard off of a book that has been updated and revised. It is called The Ever-Loving Truth. Can faith survive in a post-Christian culture? And uh, it, it can. So we're really going to talk about how we do that. So glad you guys are here today. Uh, I encourage you to hit that share button, let other people know what's going on. Um, and uh, just most of all, we're here to encourage you in your faith. Uh, and, and that means really getting to the core of what we're talking about. Uh, Bodie, great to have you. Thank you for being here on Life Today Live. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. So um, it's interesting when uh, an author such as yourself has, has a, a book that is very foundational in its scope, uh, but then you, you, you update it. What has happened in our world to make you go, okay, these truths are the same, but the application, you know, we need to maybe – apply it in some ways that are even more relevant today than it was originally written. What What's going on that makes you go, hey, we need to get back to these things? Yeah, this was actually my first book 20 years ago. Hmm. And back then, I was really addressing um, secular humanism as the main um, opposing worldview. Um, still talking about the idea of America as a post-Christian culture. Uh, borrowing that idea from Francis Schaeffer, of course. Um, and now, um, as you've said, many of those things have remained the same. Many of those foundation, foundational issues have remained the same. But the prevailing worldview now is neo-Marxism mm. as opposed to secular humanism, um, both atheistic um, in their orientation, um, both uh, anti-Christian in their 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 orientation, Um but 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 very different in the way that they present themselves um, and in the way that they have gone about sort of trying to, you know, take the field and um, and change the rules of the game, so to speak. Yeah. Does and maybe it's it, we always tend to feel that, you know, the current times are the most difficult times. Right. We, as humans, we have that tendency. But does it do you think that this neo Marxist view worldview is more aggressive than secular secular humanism or does it just kind of feel that way yeah it is it is more aggressive than secular humanism it is more vehemently anti-christian mm. than secular humanism um secular humanism um was was kind of a, a softer 
gentler atheism, <laughs> whereas, you know, Marxism um, and, and Marx himself um, and many of his, his, his followers really saw Christianity as um, not only their main adversary, but as the main purveyor of 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 evil. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it is. It, it, it's a different game. That's interesting you use that that phrase because uh, I, I have sensed this. I mean, I've heard, you hear some things, but sometimes you wonder, is this just a news media outlet being sensationalistic? But to portray Christianity as evil kind of shocks some people. You're suggesting yeah. that's what they do. Absolutely. You know, for the neo-Marxist, you know, there's the, the world, for all the talk against binaries, right? Everybody is against binaries. They don't like the whole, you know, male, female binary. Yeah. Uh, they don't like the whole, you know, just any kind of, you know, binaries. But for all the talk about binaries, uh, Marxism is is a binary worldview. Hmm. And they divide the world up into oppressors and the oppressed. And for the neo-Marxist, you know, especially in America, the oppressor is, you know, white, male, cisgendered, heterosexual, um, you know, native born, um, all the way down to Christian. Um, Christianity uh, is that, you know, hegemonic power, as the Marxists would call it, that is used to oppress all of the people who are outside of the power structure. And because the Marxist doesn't believe that there are any absolute truths, um, the, the argument is that Christianity has established itself as the main power broker um, based upon the truths that Christianity has invented in order to shape the way the game is played. And the game is shaped the way that it is so that those who are in power can remain in power and those who are oppressed can be kept outside of power. When you think about the world in that sense, it's easy to see how Christianity is really the, the, the greatest purveyor of evil that there is. In that posturing, uh, I've heard some things that are, are very concerning because they seem to justify violence to overthrow that power structure. You see that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's Marxist ideology. Um, you know, for for Marx, it was you know workers of the world unite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but ultimately, there is a revolutionary overthrow of the oppressive power structure in order to usher in the Marxist utopia. And you know, of course, everywhere that Marxism has flourished, that has resulted in the, the deaths of millions of people. Um, and the only kind of equality that it creates is equal misery. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, um, it, it's, it's violent. It's interesting. I mean, you're, you're in Africa right now. You're obviously of, of mm -hmm. African ancestry. Um, mm -hmm. You are you are according to them, supposed to be one of the oppressed. I don't think you think that of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. And it's interesting, you know, not only do I not think of myself in that way, but I reject that, that binary, um, the idea that the world is just, 
you know, oppressors and the oppressed and that, you know, that, that's, that, that's the lens through which we view the way history moves forward. That sort of Hegelian dialectic, you know, um, view of, of, of history. Uh, I, I reject that altogether. And I think looking at people that way um, causes nothing but conflict. Mm -hmm. If, if, if we are, you know, if we're conditioned to see the world through that kind of lens and see certain people as oppressors just because of the group to which they belong and other people as oppressed simply because of the group to which they belong, mm -hmm. we're automatically setting up this clash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny because it's not always along the lines that they're trying to portray today. I mean, my ancestry is Irish and they view the British as the oppressors all day long, yeah. you know, and there's some history there. Uh, obviously in Africa, the, you know, the colonization of Africa, I've, I've been several countries there. You see some of the, you see, actually some, some of the benefits in the modernization, but also some of the detriments in the, the control aspect of the power that was not always typically not handled well. Um, yet, I think the solution is is not what they're telling us, which is to overthrow all power structures. To me, man, it's the gospel. I mean, the gospel is the only thing that, that unites and uh, offers justice uh, and true equality. And, and how do we get that message out? Yeah, it's the only thing that offers us any hope. It's the only thing that offers us any sense of ultimate justice. If, if there is no God who is righteous and who will punish sin and set all things right at the end of the age, then all justice is dependent upon me. I have to set everything right. I have to equal every score. Mm. I can't leave it to the wrath of God. And I mean, that's a, that's a terrible way to live, right? That's the, that's the Hatfields and the McCoys, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, um, and, and, and we can't live like that. It's only when we have a sense that there is a God who is just and that there is a day of justice coming. Um, it's only when we understand that all of us stand guilty before God and, 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 and deserve his wrath and must be delivered from that wrath through the person and work of Christ that we can then look to our fellow man and recognize that it's not incumbent upon us mm -hmm. to equal the score, mm -hmm. but to leave it to the wrath of God and also to pray that their sins would be forgiven and nailed to the cross mm -hmm. rather than them having to pay for it yeah. eternally. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and that, I think that's one of the beauties of, of Scripture is, is when you really understand John three sixteen and 17, I would group those together, that especially as Christians, we are not to view uh, the lost, uh, the unsaved, those who are sinners, who act like sinners, and we shouldn't be sh too shocked. We don't, we don't, our desire for them must be redemption. Uh, and, and it's easy yes. to fall into the trap, and I know you've heard this in the church, of just calling on God's wrath to, you know, <laughs> destroy them all. But that's really not our, our calling is, is the redemption. And sometimes that can get a little lost uh, in our uh, standing for truth, you know, the redemption aspect of it. Um, how, how critical is it that we... It's like, it's, 
Go ahead. It's like we forget that we've been redeemed. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. there you go. And that, that that's usually where the error begins. Mm-hmm. You know, we stop thinking of ourselves as redeemed people. We start believing that we deserve the grace of God that we have received. And then it becomes easy for us to look in, in judgment mm-hmm. on others. Mm-hmm. But when we remind ourselves that, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I, um, it, it changes the way that we that we look at other people. It, it changes the way that we consider the sins of other people. And it changes the way that we approach them. Um, all of a sudden, we change from just wanting to win the argument to wanting to win the man. Yeah. And there, yeah. there's a world of difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Oh, I like that. I like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use that phrase. <laughs> I like, I like that one. Uh, this is, <laughs> you know, okay. this is the the book, the ever loving truth, uh, by Bodie Bachman. It's available right now, yeah. wherever you get books, a great one to just kind of set your, your mind in a scriptural frame reference. And it's interesting because we're, you know, we're talking about the things that we're facing today, the things that are uh, the opposing worldview to Christianity and and yet you point out in your book, Bodhi, that um, this, in a sense, the struggle is is not new. When you look in the the book of the chapter, no. get in the book of Acts, and you see that that the, you know they were fighting a, a worldview that was opposing Christianity, even violently, very violently at the time. What are some of the parallels yes. you see in Scripture that that we're seeing the same thing today? Yeah, actually work for the book is is uh, based on Acts chapter 4. Mm. And what I do is I trace the experience of, of um, Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 and show the parallels between the opposition that they experienced and the opposition that we experience. You know, they were experiencing that in a pre-Christian culture. We're experiencing it in a post-Christian culture. Um, and, and they are mirror images of mm. each other. Uh, and because of that, there's a lot that we can learn uh, by looking at their response. Specifically, give us a little little example. <laughs> yeah, for example, you know, we we see that, you know, one of the chapters is neutrality is not an option. Hmm. Um, somehow we've come to believe that if we just go to church, um, mind our business, that the, that the culture will leave us alone. But what what we need to understand is the same thing that they had to understand, which is that the very gospel that upon which we base our lives is so at odds with the message of the culture that to allow us to continue to be representatives of that gospel is completely unacceptable. Our culture cannot be neutral to us because our very existence, the very foundation upon which our lives are built, is a direct refutation of what it is that they have determined to believe. So we need to recognize that there there is no, you know, sense in which we're going to be able to believe the gospel rightly and be left alone by our culture, um, there is going to be a price to pay. I mean, it sounds like you're suggesting that that godly love and our calling as Christians is is not 
pacifism and not not in the armed war sense, but in the spiritual warfare sense. Yeah, you know, um, 2 Timothy 3.12, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's a promise. It's a guarantee. <laughs> um, and so, yes, there is a sense in which our the, the world in which we live is is not going to allow us mm -hmm. to be pacifists you know mm -hmm. um we are we are under attack our worldview is under attack we're the ones who are considered fascists you know we're, we're right. the ones yeah we're, we're the ones who are considered out of bounds you know um it, it's it's amazing if you believe that you know marriage is between a man and a woman and that a man biologically can't become a woman and a woman biologically can't become a man if you believe that today you're considered a right-wing extremist fascist but if you believe in mutilating little boys and little girls mm. who are confused about you know their sexual identity you're considered a progressive yeah yeah the language talk about calling good evil and evil good yeah right? i mean yeah, no, I mean, the, the battle for the language has been lost in some regard because that's completely backwards. So that's the kind of thing where we think it's going to be neutral. Okay, fine. Be neutral. Go to church. Um, keep your head down. Mm -hmm. uh, but, oh, wait, your kids are going to go to a school where they're going to tell them, right, that that you know, boys can be girls and girls can be boys. And, you know, they're going to be using various pronouns and, you know, all these sorts of things. And, you know, they're going to talk about querying the curriculum and so on and so forth. What are you going to do then? Because at that point, keeping your head down and just going to church is no longer the answer. You are either going to be overwhelmed by this culture or you're going to stand in opposition to this culture and this culture is going to be at war with you. I'm curious, um, you're, you're in Africa right now in Zambia, as we said, um, mm -hmm. what do you, why are you over there and what are you doing over there? Well, we've been here actually, um, eight years now. Wow. It's hard to believe that it's been eight years, uh, but we came to help start the African Christian university. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's what we've been doing. That's what I've been doing for the last eight years is um, helping to start and helping to build this classical Christian liberal arts, uh, biblical worldview university. Yeah. Here in the heart of South Central Africa. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the Lord's been, the Lord's been kind and, um, well, yeah, you know, well, the, the, well, sometimes go ahead. Sorry, I'm I'm just curious what you're seeing because I know that it's not it's not easy and and I don't know what about Zambia specifically, but I know that there are some countries uh, I've spent a lot in North Africa, but in East Africa and even down in Mozambique, uh, where I mean literally Christianity is under attack by force. How's how's it? Yeah. What are you seeing? Um, Zambia is a constitutionally Christian republic, um, and so. There is, you know, freedom here mm. for the gospel, mm. um, positive 
uh, attitudes toward the gospel. Good. That's one of the reasons that we believe this was such a strategic place um, to 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 come and invest. Um, we're we're here, you know, partnering with a thirty plus year old, you know, Reformed Baptist Indigenous, you know, movement mm. um, that the you know the Lord's been blessing for you know over three decades. Um, this is the most peaceful country on the continent. Mm. Um, it, arguably the most stable country on the continent. Um, and so it, it, it's a strategic place. Um, when you think about it, you know, Europe's gone. Um, I mean, you're, you're, Europe, Europe's gone. Europe's apostate. And if Europe's going to be re-evangelized, if North Africa's going to be evangelized, um, where's that going to come from? Um, it's it's going to have to come from the global south. It's going to have to come from this region. Um, and so we believe that this is a very strategic place and a very strategic work. Uh, it's a country the size of the state of Texas with about half the population. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a lot that can be done here. It's hard work, but there's a lot that can be done here. A lot of fruit that can be born here. Yeah. You're seeing, are you seeing some good things so far? Yeah, we absolutely are. You know, um, you know, some some days we're the windshield, and some some days we're the bug. <laughs> but you know, um, it, it it's 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 been good. It's been it's been fruitful. Yeah, good. Glad to hear it. At the same time, I mean, you're still involved in in impacting the culture here. Um, why and how do you straddle both worlds? Because that that can't be easy. Yeah. Well, um, I'm back in the U.S. three or four times a year. I do kind of a 10 day, 10 to 12 day preaching tour, um, three or four times a year in, in the U S. And so I stay involved in that way. Um, uh, since I've been here, I think this is the you know third or fourth book that I've uh, published since I've been here. Yeah. Um, you know, got another one, you know, coming out next year. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, it's amazing this world that we live in today. I mean, the fact that we can do this interview right now, true. you know, and I'm sitting here in Lusaka talking to you. Um, the world has gotten so much smaller yeah. and it, it's, it's actually, it's doable. I mean, I, I'm, I'm able to have um, that kind of um, involvement and, and impact and I'm, I'm grateful for it. I mean, what an amazing time to be alive. Yeah. I, I hear you. So when you, when you travel, whether you're there, whether you're back here in the States, um, what, what is your bottom line message? Because like you say, it's there, I mean, we see glimmers, it's, it's a crossroads of heaven and hell right here on this earth, you know, yeah. uh, and it can be real easy to get discouraged or defeated in your attitude. What's your bottom line message that you want people to hold to, to give them that hope? Yeah, it, it's always the person and work of Christ. It's always the fact that, you know, our hope is not in America, you know, Zambia, wherever. Our hope is not in or of this world. Um, our, our hope is in the person and work of Christ. And, you know, his kingdom is undefeated. Um, you know, there are terrible things that happen and there are terrible things that always have happened and terrible things always will happen. But there is a day coming uh, on which God will judge the living and the dead and all of this wrong will be set right. And those who have come to him through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, 
we'll, we'll be saved, we'll be redeemed. Yeah. And so that that I mean that's the bottom line. Whatever else we're dealing with, um, at the core of it is that message of the hope that we have in Christ. Yeah, and and that that that's enough, you know. Uh, and that's more good. than enough. More than yeah. enough, right? And it's good news. It's always good news. All right, I want to show you guys uh, his website. This is votibacham.org. Uh, and you, you, you got your Israel tour coming up in, um, you got a year, uh, hopefully. Uh, well, I was supposed to, I was supposed to go, um, last, yeah, last month. Yeah. Um, uh, I was supposed to go at the end of October and, um, you know, of course it got canceled, um, this year and, um, I've got, I've got two back-to-back tours next October, November still scheduled, um, you know, Lord willing, we'll be over there then. But. Yeah, hoping that works out. And man, I would not want to be over there right now. I talked to a few people that were over there on, on October seventh, and you just go, "Oh, this is where we live in, man. It's it's a mess, yeah. but the gospel gives us hope." Anything you want to add before I let you go? I appreciate your time today. Hey, no, man, it's just been a pleasure. Just thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. I appreciate all you guys out there watching. Uh, Be sure to pick up the ever-loving truth. It'll give you hope. It'll give you a good foundation uh, with whatever you're dealing with in today's world because, yeah, it's a mess. But you know what? Take heart. God has overcome the world. Christ is the answer. We don't need to live defeated. We don't need to live in fear. We have that power and strength that raised him from the grave living in us. And that's good news. Share that good news. Hit the share button. If you haven't liked, follow, or subscribe, do that. I'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.